You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. We are your staff writers for Swamp247.com. If you haven't visited the site, be sure to check it out. We think we write some pretty good stuff, which means it's probably just okay. But uh, anyway, you can check it out there. we got plenty of Florida Gators coverage. Blake, uh, we're back. We took a little bit of an extra couple days there to uh, kind of unwind. You know, bye week is uh, good for us, too, to you know get a little refresher as well as the team. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and start to recap the South Carolina game a little bit. We haven't touched on that yet. Um, I guess overall first impressions for you going on the road and, and winning a tough one up in Columbia and some, some ugly conditions. Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head saying, you know, tough conditions, tough win. Um, you know, I think maybe, at least I know, I think I did, um, maybe took South Carolina a little bit more lightly. Um, I think they put up a little bit more of a, a game than I thought they would. Um, obviously Florida pulled away there at the end, but I think I was, um, impressed with the way that South Carolina ran the ball, and it seemed like they had a pretty deep backfield. But at the same time, I was pretty shocked that um, Florida's defense kind of let them, you know, gouge all over them. I know that uh, you know Zaniga's not there, Grenard's not there, so it, it's a little bit of a different look up front for Florida. But I was still surprised with the success they just continue to have running the ball. It doesn't seem like Florida ever really had this big answer to kind of stop this running game that they had. Yeah, I mean, I I disagree a little bit. I thought. I thought they were better than, you know, they were against LSU in terms of sure. the run oh, defense. Sure, definitely, definitely. And I thought, I thought the thing against South Carolina that stood out to me was, I think what you see when you have a bunch of young guys playing up front, um, what, what, what was happening was it was like one or two drives where South Carolina would hit a run and then they kind of get into that up-tempo rhythm of, of being able to go quickly and you would see the defense having trouble lining up, you know, really setting the edges. Um, I think those are things that veteran players like Renard and Zaniga – those guys can do that repeatedly um, against up tempo. You know, the other the younger guys probably need a little longer to get set. And so I thought we saw that. Um, I thought there were a couple drives where South Carolina really took advantage of Florida being a little bit panicked after they hit a run or two, um, to where you know guys kind of lose that mental focus, that mental edge of staying disciplined and just playing their assignment. And you saw, you know, a couple times, especially with the linebackers. You know, Ventrell Miller ran himself out of some plays, but but even the defensive ends. Um, you know, the runs that South Carolina really killed Florida with were a lot of delayed draw, you know, counter type stuff where guys get going one way and then they cut back or, you know, guys get far up the field because they're on the pass rush. And then, you know, the quarterback just hands it off. I thought those were the areas that Florida struggled in terms of the run. Um, but look, this was a good South Carolina team. I mean, um, we talked about it a little bit going in, but I don't know that we gave them enough credit. Uh, they they beat a very good Georgia team, and I thought South Carolina's defense really, for the most part, kind of handled Georgia's very, very good offensive line and, and really gave Georgia some problems up front. And I think, to me, coming out of this, looking at the positives um, of this South Carolina game, I thought that was probably Florida's best rushing performance of the season. You know, that's an area that we've really, really been critical of Florida on. And to me, at least, I thought this was the game where they executed probably the cleanest up front what was your what was your impression of that, Blake? 
Yeah, I would agree with that. I thought that, you know, LSU, I thought that Florida started to kind of turn the corner up front on the offensive line. Um, you know, that was probably, I, at the time, I thought, you know, wow, this was probably their their best performance. Then they came out against South Carolina, and in a rainy, um, you know, it, it's tough in, in that kind of conditions to, you know, really, you know, execute blocks. You know, guys are slippery. You know, you're slippery. Um, you know, there's just lots of things going on there. But I thought that they really held up good. And, you know, South Carolina has a really good front seven. Um, so I thought that they were really impressive. I and mean, again, I thought that that was their best of to date and that obviously helped the running game kind of get things open. And, you know, I, I think that that's kind of the answer to Florida's rushing woes that they've had throughout the season. You know, you get that offensive line going. Um, I think Damian Pierce obviously brings a little bit of a, you know, change of pace back there. And obviously he exploded for a big long run, but I think that this offensive line can continue to kind of build on things. It's kind of like this Mississippi state game last year where they kind of started to turn the corner. They started kind of putting together their best work. Mm -hmm. um, maybe this was that game. Maybe that LSU game was that for them, and they kind of continue to build off of things going forward. Now, I know a lot of people will probably look at the numbers, and you know, you mentioned the big long run from Damian Pierce of 75 yards. When you look at the, the rushing numbers at the end of the day, you look down, and Florida only ran for 154, and like you said, almost half of that was the one big chunk play. So, I mean, this isn't – I'm not – I don't want this to be misconstrued as me saying that Florida's run game has suddenly arrived and, you know, Florida's going to run all over people. I just think that they're finally getting to the point where it's less of a liability, um, right. if that makes sense. You know, where where you don't feel like you're giving away downs when you run the ball. Um, sure. And I thought, I thought Saturday against South Carolina was really the first time where you felt okay with their patience with the run and them, you know, being able to hand it off 30 times. You know, even though the, the the averages and the yardage wasn't huge, I just thought those five guys on the offensive line in particular did a much, much better job getting to their assignments. They looked a half step quicker, uh, which, you know, again, as you get more comfortable, like you mentioned, that group did last year. Once you start getting there quicker, you can start getting a little bit more movement. And I saw I thought we saw that a lot on Saturday. And I guess one of the things we should talk about, Blake, is, you know, Florida made a change in the starting lineup on the offensive line. And I thought that really paid paid dividends for the Gators. Yeah, you know, we've kind of talked about it, you know, throughout the season, um, just the changes there. And I think that that's probably the best. I feel like that's their best bet with the offensive line. I feel like they're a better unit whenever they do make those changes. So I, I for me, I think that that's something that they should look into for the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I think that will definitely be the case. You know, Florida had already started to shift some of those snaps at left guard um, from Chris Bleich over to Richard Gouraj. And obviously Gouraj against South Carolina, played every snap at left guard. I thought Brett Heggie looked a little more comfortable on the right. You know, I don't know if, uh, you know, maybe some guys just get more comfortable pulling one way than the other because of their dominant leg. Um, and I know Heggie has played both in his career, but I, I've always felt like he looks, he just looks a little more comfortable at right guard. So being able to play Guraj in there, you know, next to Stone Forsyth, next to Nick Buchanan, where he has two veterans on either side of him, able to help him with communication, I thought, he played very well. Like he came out and said this week when we talked to him that he was a little bit nervous. But I mean, you couldn't tell it really by by watching that Florida offensive line. I thought they played very, very well. Um, but yeah, and then and then we talked about it a little bit. I mean, that South Carolina defensive front was good. I mean, if look, if Georgia's offensive line's having trouble against you, you know you're a pretty good defensive front. And I thought I really thought for the most part, Florida kind of won the matchup against Javon Kenlaw now. He had a couple plays where he, you know, he obviously. You're not going to stop guy. a guy like that. Exactly, and and but I didn't think he had any plays that were like completely game breaking either. You know what I mean? Like they, it wasn't Derek Brown, you know, for Auburn against Florida. I thought Florida was more prepared to handle a guy that disruptive in this game, and I thought for the most part did a good job. And um, 
you know, also I think you credit Dan Mullen's game plan. I thought they did a pretty good job of making sure that, you know, despite the the wet conditions that they stuck with the pass game. And, you know, even though Kyle Trask was shaky in the first half, they were able to ride it out. And this was a comfortable win for Florida. I mean, against a good team, it wasn't, it wasn't just a, you know, an 11 point win. I mean, Florida was up by 18 at one point and this game was really put away. So um, I, I just think Florida's getting better, you know, at the right time. I think if anything, uh, and you can, you can let me know if I'm wrong on this, but I, I think the concerns have shifted over the last two weeks from the offensive side of the ball to the, to the defensive side of the ball. I would agree with that. And I think that's just more so to do with the injuries they have over there. And whenever you lose two big time players, um, on the defensive front that have have really imposed their will on other teams. I think you're going to see a step back. And again, you say you throw in some of these younger guys. You know, uh, Chris Bogle is a guy that's been getting a lot mm-hmm. of snaps, and he's a true freshman. Um, Jeremiah Moon has been banged up. You know, he's he's obviously enough to be able to play in the games, but you know, he he's still been banged up. So, you know, I, I think that getting those guys back, uh, a bye week for Florida is probably the best time for them leading up to that Georgia game because it gives them the chance to continue to get healthy. And then maybe we're talking a different story whenever the Georgia trots out there in Jacksonville. You know, with a healthier defense, Florida turning the corner on offense, like you said, they they really control their own destiny. And I think that things really favor Florida right now if they do continue to get healthy and they're ready to go for that Georgia game. Well, I mean, it's easy to get caught up on the last two weeks and, and kind of panic over the defense, you know, but... This, this Florida defense coming out of that Auburn game was everybody was talking about it as one of the most elite units in the country. And that was without Jabari Zaniga. I mean, so that was just John Grenard, you know, and, and you get a healthy Henderson back. And I, I'm not, obviously, there's no comparison between Auburn and LSU. LSU is hands down a better offense. They're far less one dimensional. Um, and they've really, really had answers for everybody that they've played this year. But Auburn was pretty good. I mean, it's not, that wasn't like a, you know, a chump offense. And Florida really came down and, and I thought, you know, showed you what a full strength or not even a full strength, but a, a closer to full strength Florida defense can look like. I just think you get, you know, you get Grenard, you get Zaniga healthy. That covers up some of the, you know, issues that we're talking about in this South Carolina game where, you know, the defense can get a little out of sync in spurts. Um, and, I, and I'm glad you mentioned Bogle and Diabate. Both of those guys are getting into like the 30, 40 snap range, which for a defensive lineman, that's a lot. I mean, those guys are going to be growing up very quickly, which is good because when you do lose, you know, Grenard and Zaniga after this season, you're going to need those guys. And I think, like you said, they're getting very quality experience right now. And I thought, I thought their progression from the LSU game to the South Carolina game was pretty clear. I mean, you know, you're always going to have some spots where those guys see something new or, you know, are, are exposed to something new and aren't quite ready for it. But I thought they were significantly better in terms of setting the edge against South Carolina it's more about you know the consistency of okay what do you do now if they're running it up tempo what do you do if they hit one or two on you and all of a sudden they're in short yardage and getting up to the line quickly they'll get those things ironed out those are those are all you know kind of experienced things but um, I, I do think for the Florida defense what we're seeing a little bit right now is somewhat of a drop-off in the, in the overall talent just from recruiting over the last couple of years you know Jim McElwain's recruiting numbers on defense weren't anywhere close to as good as Will Moss and I put up a piece actually comparing, you know, the uh, first three recruiting classes on, on offense and defense for Will Muschamp, Jim McElwain, and Dan Mullen on Swamp247.com this week. I encourage everybody to check those out. Uh, I think it, it shows you some interesting things, but one of the real takeaways that actually surprised me when doing it was that Dan Mullen is recruiting pretty much as well as Will Muschamp did on defense. And so Florida is going to get the talent back up. But I think the one thing you're seeing right now is when you do have guys like Grenard and Zaniga out, you're either A, very young, 
where you're playing the Chris Bogles and the, you know, the Muhammad Diabates, or B, you just don't have the quality of depth. And I think at linebacker, that's showing up a little bit. You know, David Reese, a very good linebacker between the tackles, but a little limited in coverage. And I don't, I couldn't tell you who the next guy in that's going to be, you know, this Jared Davis, Alex Anzalone, David Reese type. You know, I don't know. I don't know who it is. I'm not seeing it yet. And so when you get, you know, those guys on the field for an extended period of time, there's a little drop off, you know? Yeah, I would say so. You know, I think that that's something that for me, just from looking at the recruiting numbers and whatnot, I I think I know that whenever you lose Jabari Zuniga after this year, it more than likely it puts Zach Carter in a really good position to be that guy. But I, I think their drop off at strong side defensive end. I think that Florida has done a really good job recruiting these weak side buck type of guys since Todd Grantham's been here. But I think that the, at least the concern for me is that linebacker spot, like you said, and then obviously strong side defensive end, just from a depth standpoint there. I think that that's still something that Florida will need to fit um, kind of in their recruiting game plans going forward. And we'll, we'll get on to more of recruiting needs and whatnot later. But I think that the best way to really build up that defense and the drop off is this cycle, you know, take advantage of, you know, the fact that you're winning and, and start to win some of these battles. Yeah. And I mean, the only real reason I bring it up is because, like I said, I think. I think the defense has been a little bit more of a question mark than the offense, given given the improvements we've seen. I mean, we've seen Dan Mullen coach around a shaky offensive line and be able to craft game plans built around Kyle Trask in the passing game, where they still put enough points up on the board for you to feel like you're competitive, you can win every game. And so for me, the offense really, I mean, they're going to play some elite defenses, you would think, going forward. But to me, I think they can score enough to win. The question is, like that LSU game, can the defense keep them in in striking range enough to be able to win against these elite teams? And I think that's a bigger question for me. And so that's where I'm looking at, you know, some of these spots like, okay, well, we've seen what injuries, you know, a defensive end can do. What happens if a linebacker goes down? You know, what happens if a David Reese goes down? Um, I think there's still, you know, a couple question marks in the secondary. You know, I think Florida's still experimenting with what they want to do at star. You know, we have saw trading against LSU kind of get replaced by Marco Wilson. And then uh, this past week against South Carolina, the Gators did it a little bit differently where they went. I think they were concerned about South Carolina's run game. And so what they did was not necessarily move Wilson inside and put Kyrie Elam in there. Uh, on the outside, what they did was slide Amari Bernie out and you play three linebackers. And uh, they, they allow Amari Bernie to play in coverage in, in the star position. And I thought it, it went extremely well. So I, I think this Florida defense, there's no doubt it can be elite. You know, I think that I don't think it can be elite without all of its guys. I think you need Grenard. I think you need Zaniga. Um, but I think, you know, based on what Florida's shown offensively, especially the last week or two, I think if you get those guys healthy, this is a team that can make a serious, serious run, not just at the SEC East, but potentially at the SEC title. Thomas, we talked about rotating the offensive line earlier, and there's been a, kind of a hot topic that I think a lot of fans and uh, even people in the media have talked about. I know you talked with Todd Grantham earlier this week about it, but there's been some rotation at safety. What do you think of that? It seems like kind of an odd thing that at least fans have really kind of pointed out this season. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean we've I mean, we been talking about this, I mean, since the preseason. I mean, when we were talking about safety and, you know, we knew that Brad Stewart was going to be out for a couple games to start the season, you said – I don't feel great about the guys that they have there and credit Sean Davis. I think he's stepped up and really, really been a big time playmaker who I think is, you know, easily their number one or two guy at that safety position this year. But when you talk about the four that Florida's playing, I mean, I I don't want to sound like a broken record. I'm not trying to be mean to these guys, but Donovan Steiner and Juwan Taylor are just slightly more limited from a physical standpoint. And you see it a couple times every game where, 
a guy just one of those two just takes a horrible angle against the run and so the run gets five to ten more yards than it should or you know you have a guy that rather than you know continuing to drive his legs through tackles and wrap up just kind of freeze it's, it's almost like deer in the headlights when the guy gets you know within his little perimeter where he'll freeze up and then just kind of lunge for a tackle you know stop stop the feet moving so I think those are things that fans see and that, you know, the safety rotation is a little frustrating where guys would rather see Davis and and Stewart play more of the staffs. But I think, you know, having spoken to Todd Grantham, he basically said that's not what we want to do. He said we want to split the snaps, 35 to 40 snaps for each each of these duos. That way we can, you know, stay fresh, stay healthy late in games. And it's a little weird at a safety position. You don't typically see your skill guys rotating out and doing that. But I think some of that is also development throughout the course of the season um if you look back to i, I want to say the lsu game i believe davis and stewart played a much higher percentage of the overall snaps in that game and so to me that tells me that i think that florida is aware that the you know the production isn't quite the same between these two duos and so in the games where you really need the better duo out there they're going to play more snaps i just think in some degrees or in some ways it's about keeping the guys healthy throughout the course of a season as well and not just fresh within games because you know when you hear guys need to be stay fresh within a game and you hear safety he's only playing 35 40 snaps that sounds ridiculous you know but when you take it in the context of the entire season and say hey we want to make sure we have depth you know and these guys are fresh late in the year against the georgias against the missouris and these key games where we got to win i think that to me is is probably where it shows up a little bit more you know, I think the thing why fans are so concerned about it, and I don't remember who said it, but I know a player said it during one of the media sessions that it was the the players kind of nominated this, you know, rotation there. And it doesn't really quite sound like it's, you know, fully on the player's idea here where, you know, they're trying to game plan snaps and whatnot. It's not like the players just voted and said, like, all right, we're gonna rotate, guys. Let you know, Todd. See you next week. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know the exact process for how that works, but I mean, look, the bottom line is Florida's playing pretty well. Um, you know, could could they short things up by playing, you know, Davis and Stewart a little bit more? Yeah, probably. But at the end of the day, like we said, like the South Carolina game, even though they had some success here and there with the run game, Florida won comfortably. Like, you know, at the end of the day, I think that this coaching staff has earned a little bit of a, uh, you know, a pass from fans in, in terms of some of the questioning. Um, and, and believe me, I'm, I'm as cynical as they come. I, I like to kind of pick apart everything and see where they can get better. And, and look, we'll tell you, I think that's one area we probably disagree with Florida's coaches. Having said that, they've kind of proven they know what they're doing. Florida's sitting here at seven and one. They're number seven in the country. They're about to take on Georgia with a chance to really cement themselves atop the SEC East and potentially get to Atlanta again. So, you know, I, I just think, I think there are other concerns that are bigger, you know, getting healthy to me is a far bigger concern than the safety rotation. Um, but you know, we've talked about that and, uh, we'll continue to discuss Blake, uh, Florida, let's, let's get into more of the, you know, the discussion of the bio week where Florida goes from here, big picture, that kind of thing, uh, right on the other side of this commercial break. eBay motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive. That's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, 
turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. We're kicking around Florida's bye week in the second half of the segment here. We uh, want to just kind of you know talk about what Florida's doing this week. So, Blake, if you're Florida's coaches... Uh, for you, what's kind of the biggest focus, you know, when you get a week here before this Georgia game to kind of prepare? I think it's an interesting week for for this coaching staff because mainly when you have a bye week, you want to focus on recruiting. You want to go make some of these recruiting stops. But at the same time, you have a big game against Georgia, like you mm-hmm. said before the uh, for the break, that you know, there's a lot of SEC East implications there. So I think you kind of have to do some some triple duty here. I think you have to not only focus on Georgia and be prepared because you get an extra week to really kind of focus on them and really pick them apart and look and see what you know what's under the hood. Um, you want to stay healthy because Florida is really banged up on the defensive side of the ball. Get some of these guys back. It looks like they should be expected to play against Georgia. Um, at the same time, you want to continue to kind of hit these recruiting targets. You want to see some of these big time guys that you you know really covet. Um, I think this is the week where you see Florida see a lot of these more top tier targets, along with mixing in some of the kind of their commits there. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty busy week for them in, in terms of you know what I would focus on. I would focus on getting healthy. Uh, preparing for Georgia and then obviously getting uh you know the recruiting hits. Yeah, no, it's it's funny because <laughs> you know I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that we took a, a couple extra days on a bye week and kind of I sort of implied that you know Florida's taking it a little easier too. And you're, you're absolutely right. You know these these coaches are as busy this week as you know probably any other week um, because I think you're also not just you know worrying about the recruiting angle and and really trying to sell some of the momentum that you have right now in terms of the on the field to these recruits. Um, but you're also looking at your own team, you know, and you're going back through those first eight games and figuring out, OK, what were we doing? You're doing a lot of self-scouting. You know, it's funny. I asked uh, I kind of asked Dan Mullen after the South Carolina game because I think he had kind of like mentioned that they were going to go back and kind of look at some of the things they do. So I was, I was just kind of like, yeah, Dan. So um, like what what is the self-scouting process kind of like for you guys? Like, uh, do, do you guys do a lot of that early in the week? And he's just like, yep, it's like. Like he didn't want to he didn't want to share anything about like, you know, things that they might be leaning towards like, oh, maybe we're doing this too much. And uh, I just thought it was funny because, you know, Dan, he, he gets that way every now and then with uh, like if you ask him, you know, sort of like game plan type stuff like, are, are you going to try to do this? He's like, he's like, why would I tell you that? Uh, so I thought that was funny, but I, I think they're going to be digging into that. And, you know, we talked about the safety rotation. I'm sure that that's something that they'll really dive into, you know, because they're well aware of it. You know, the media has asked enough times to Todd Grantham and Dan Mullen that I'm sure that they've at the very least done a cursory look at, oh, is there something there? Like, should we should we be looking at this? So I think they're going to do a lot of self-scouting, you know, find any tendencies, you know, within maybe play calling on offense. Uh, and and the, the, the benefit of self-scouting, I think, particularly when you have a bye week right before a big game, 
is if you do identify some of these tendencies on offense, say, say you typically always, you know, run right out of this certain formation, you know, where you run trip sponge to the right, all of a sudden you can build a wrinkle off of that and go against tendency. And uh, I think that that's when you have a chance to spring some big plays in a game, you know, like this Georgia game. Um, but yeah, you said it. I mean, getting healthy is the real key for Florida this week. I think D- Dan Mullen's staff has been interesting to me in that uh, he really, really trusts his veteran guys. Like once he's deemed a guy, a veteran guy that that kind of knows where he's supposed to be in practice, knows where he's, he needs to be within the game plan. Uh, Dan Mullen doesn't necessarily force them to practice. Like Jamari Zaniga was able to play at LSU without practicing basically at all that week. Um, and so I think you're going to see that a lot from from guys like Renard, from Zaniga, uh, Kadarius Tony. we should mention, I think. Uh, I saw him leaving campus yesterday without a sling for the first time. Um, so I, Florida is in, in good shape to get a lot of these guys back this week. And um, I think that's, you know, that's a pretty key element if this team really wants to get healthy and, and kind of make a statement against Georgia. Yeah, because, you know, I think that this is the, you know, this is the game that they're going to have circled. You know, everyone wants to, this is a big game for any Florida team, but I think whenever you have the chance of the SEC East is right there and you're right, you know, right there at the tips of your fingers, um, Florida can get this can get this one and then they can really kind of look towards Atlanta obviously not looking ahead of all these other games and whatnot but there's a lot of build up for this game I feel like no absolutely I mean this is it's you know two top 10 teams you know I think Georgia the way they played the last two weeks is probably taking a little bit of the luster out of the matchup um, but you know it's still Florida Georgia and the winner of this comes out in great shape to potentially win the SEC East and represent you know in Atlanta and I think I think to me, you know, LSU looks like a steamroller right now. They look really good. But I look at Alabama, and I, I don't think this Alabama team's unbeatable. I mean, I think Dan Mullen, you get him with a relatively healthy team in Atlanta, and I think he's going to be able to build a game plan to potentially beat in Alabama. Um, if they play LSU, he's had the luxury of seeing them once. So I think that, you know, when when Dan Mullen's already seen your team once, I think that gives him a real advantage. Um, so, yeah, this is a, it's a huge game for Florida. I think, you know, Florida expects to be pretty fully healthy, and and for the most part, from guys we've talked to around the program, it seems like that's going to be pretty close. You know, I don't know if either of these guys with the ankle injuries, Grenard or Zaniga, are going to be 100%, but I do think that they're going to play, and, you know, as long as Florida's able to get a little bit out of them without, you know, them tweaking it early, like, say, the LSU game, um, I think it's going to be big. But, Blake, uh, we've got all next week to talk about Georgia, and we're going to we're gonna dive heavily into that, obviously, when we start to break down that game. Um but let's talk recruiting because this is a big recruiting week for Florida. Um, you know, we talked about some of the areas, especially on defense, where Florida could use some help via recruiting. What does this week look like for Florida? You know, what are they doing in terms of, you know, guys they're visiting? What's the the general outline for how they're attacking this week? Yeah, right now it's looking like the Thursdays and Fridays will be kind of the more heavy um, visits for Florida. Um, Florida linebackers coach Christian Robinson actually did make a Monday visit earlier this week up into the Panhandle. Um, he went to see a 2021 athlete, Xavier Sori. Um, more likely type of linebacker guy for Florida. I think he's one of those middle linebackers, but he could obviously play a little bit of everything for Florida. He's just really athletic. Um, he can play some wide receiver too, so it's not like he's just this big, you know, mass of a linebacker um 
So I think that that's a good guy that may be looking down the road. That I mean, he's a priority target for Florida. Alabama is in there. Um, a lot of heavy hitters. So his mom is a, a big-time Florida fan. They got him on campus for the Auburn game. And I think Florida was actually the first team to offer him. So Florida's in great shape there. I think the 2021 class is really going to where you start seeing some of these maybe upper echelon elite type of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, really give Florida a hard look whenever you're winning all these games. Um, since Dan Mullen's been there. So I think that that's a guy to really keep a close eye on. Um, doesn't seem like he's on fire to make a decision, but I think Florida's in a really good spot there. Um, Thursday is actually going to be a very important day for Florida cornerbacks coach Torian Gray. He's going to be down in the South Florida area, and he's going to catch Palmetto taking on South Dade. And Palmetto, if you guys don't follow recruiting heavily, is an extremely loaded team with kids that Florida wants in 2020 and 2021. Um, They have a wide receiver um, who should be taking his official visit to the Florida State game in Kentron Poiter. Um, He's really he's a basketball kid by nature, but he's learned to play football over the last couple years. And he's really one of those 50 50 red zone type of guys. I I call him trees as big, tall wide receivers (laughs) um, that can really he showed up to Florida in June for one of their seven on seven camps. And I thought he was very impressive um, with just his ability to kind of bring down those 50 50 balls. Um, he mossed like two or three guys in the red zone a couple times. So he definitely had – whenever they did the seven-on-seven camp, Billy Gonzalez pulled up a chair right to the end zone and watched him <laughs> literally catch like three passes That's in the great. end zone. So it was really awesome. Um, other guys on that team, they have two big-time cornerbacks um, in Jason Marshall and Corey Collier. Um, Florida's got those guys on campus before already. Um, they're in the mix there. I think whenever you look at the Palmetto team, there's three guys that I think really, really scream that Florida is, is really making a big move there, and that's Miami defensive tackle commit for 2021, Sabian Collins. Um, I don't think that Miami commitment is very solid. I think Florida is actually making a big move there, and I think that Florida is actually the team to beat right now, um, which sounds weird saying that about a kid committed somewhere else, but I, I think that a flip is looking very likely. Um, another defensive lineman, Florida has, if he's not top of their board for 2021, he's up there. Um, and four-star Leonard Taylor, um, this guy is a, is a nightmare. Um, he is doesn't look like this imposing defensive tackle when you look at him, but he's very athletic. He finds a way into the backfield. He's got really fluid hips, and he's a guy that David Turner really loves. Um, I would say that Florida sits very well for both of those guys. Another guy that Florida was looking at, he's, he's listed as an athlete, but he's more of a kind of one of those gimmicky players where he can play some running back and some wide receiver, which is kind of what Dan Mullen and them really like to use in their offense, and Brashard Smith. Um, he's ranked a three-star, but I, he has really good offers. I think he um, is a guy that probably plays a little bit higher than his ranking, um, but he's got plenty of time to kind of get eyes on him, and, and I think he's – uh, maybe not a guy that's going to look good in a high school offense, but I think he's got the really the versatility to really kind of shine at the next level with just putting him in mismatch situations. So um, really important visit for Torian Gray on Thursday. On Friday, he'll actually be in the state of Texas um, checking out a couple of UF commits, uh, cornerback commits, Jahari Rogers. You'll see his game Friday. Um, uh, Avery Helm, he is off that week, but uh, Gray will be stopping by his high school. Um, Billy Gonzalez, um, a little News that you guys haven't even read on Swamp247.com yet because I haven't wrote it. I was actually going to write it uh, after this podcast, but Billy Gonzalez will be in South Florida on Friday um, to see Xavier Henderson, big-time wide receiver target for Florida, probably the top guy on the board right now for them, younger brother of C.J. Henderson. So um, he's been on campus a couple times. He's taken official visits to Alabama. He's been to Georgia. Uh, I expect Florida to get an official visit. I expect Clemson and possibly LSU to get visits as well. Um, he is in no hurry whatsoever. He may not even sign on the December signing period. He may wait until February right now. He's not totally sure. Um, either way, I think 
you've kind of been a long wait there for for kind of yeah. some recruitment to really kind of heat up there. But Florida has got him on campus a lot of times. I think Florida is really, really thick in the mix there. Um, another guy that I really like on that roster that Florida has been working to get on campus, another Miami commit, and Elijah Roberts. Um, he's kind of that strong side defensive end. Um, he could play some tackle, but it, kind of the the fit that Florida really wants to kind of mix with some of these, you know, buck linebacker types. They've done a good job recruiting. Um, Timothy Smith, the Alabama commit, um, a hot name that's in Florida recruiting. Um, Greg Knox will actually be down there at his game on Friday. That's his recruiting area. So um, Florida's got him on campus three times since he's made that commitment to Alabama in July. Um, I'm hearing it's possible to see him make that first visit to Tuscaloosa when LSU comes to town next month, which will be an unofficial visit. Um, it was kind of interesting. I actually went to Tim's game uh, last Friday and I was interviewing him and, you know, I'm asking him, you know, so, you know, obviously, man, you're, you're, you're keeping your door open whatsoever or somewhat for other schools. Um, it seems like Florida's kind of one of those schools, you know, well, how is everything going with his Alabama commitment? And the quote was something, uh, I'm not verbatim here, but my commitment is basically letting social media know who my number one school is. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was kind of interesting because, you know, it, obviously Florida is making a big press there. I don't think that commitment is as solid as maybe he thinks. Yeah. Um, obviously, Alabama's got him in the fold. They're the number one school there. Um, he's getting on campus soon. But I think Florida's really got a good shot there with just the, the amount of times he's visited. His mom showed up to one of the games, and she really liked it there. So I think that's one where – Florida's not quite out of the woods there for a flip, but I think that they're really making trending the way that I think they would like to. Um, other visits, Larry Scott will be in his recruiting area of Polk County on Friday. Um, he'll be watching Lakeland take on Kathleen. Lakeland has a three-star cornerback commit Finley Graham, who's kind of a special teams um, really stud. I think he's really big-time guy in the punt you know, return game there with his speed and his elusiveness. He's a little short on the side for a corner, but he's gotten two interceptions that he's ran back for touchdowns this year. So he's made some plays there. Um, I would be, if I was, if I was a coach, I think I would look at him as maybe kind of a slot receiver type, but Florida's looking at him as cornerback. Either way, I think he has the ability. If cornerback doesn't work at the next level and he's he's willing to play offense, I think that's something to look into if it doesn't work out. Um, Arian Smith, a big time top 50 wide receiver, um, is also at Lakeland. Um, right now, it's looking like Georgia and Clemson are kind of the top two schools there. He's mentioned Oklahoma for an official visit. Florida is the only in-state school he's really even looking at, talking about. But he hasn't been on campus since the summer, so I think that's a guy they need to get on campus. They've really pressed success in football, success in track. Um, he wants to run track at the next level, and Florida's program has kind of kept them in the mix somewhat. But again, I, I think Florida has some work to do there. Um, and then Florida's defensive line coach, uh, David Turner, will actually be in the same area of Polk County um, on Friday. He's going to watch uh, Jervon Dexter take on uh, for his Lake Wales team, take on Lake uh, Lake Re Region. Um, he'll be watching them play. Um, so that'll be a good game. I think where Lake Region's not quite up to the same par as Lake Wales. So I think he should have a big game. Like so a, he like should show up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's going to, he's going to really like, I'm bringing my, I'm going to that game and I'm actually going to bring my video camera out because I think that that's going to be one where he's just going to just destroy yeah. them. A whole so new huddle reel. Yeah. So he'll have, yeah, that's the highlight reel he'll want to put out. So I think that, uh, you know, run off the top of my head. That's a lot of the, I, I think, uh, John Hevesy, will be in South Florida. He's expected to see uh, Isaiah Walker Jr., Florida's recent offensive tackle commit. They have a game on uh, Thursday. Um, so they're going to be pretty busy. Um, they have a lot going on with uh, you know just the seeing these top targets. I'm sure there's some more that I'll uncover, which I'll have up on swamp247.com. But for right now, um, a lot of big hitters that Florida's going to see. Yeah, busy week for Florida, no doubt. You know, on top of all the game prep they're, you know, starting to get into. Usually 
you know, Thursday, Friday, they kind of start to prep for this next game when you have a bye week and, you know, these coaches are going to be hitting the road and, you know, they've got a busy week. So, uh, I don't envy them that, but, uh, Guys, if you want to keep up with all the recruiting, Blake said it. Uh, he's going to be updating these visits on Swamp247.com. We will have plenty of recruiting scoop there on how these visits go as Florida looks to close out its class. And we're, you know, kind of starting to dig into this Georgia game a little bit. You know, we talked to Kirby Smart and Dan Mullen yesterday, got some of their thoughts on the, you know, the upcoming matchup. So we'll have plenty of Florida-Georgia coverage throughout the weekend, rolling into next week as Florida prepares for well, what will be its biggest game of the season at this point. So will you guys head over to Swamp247.com, and we will be back sometime next week digging into the Georgia matchup on the Swamp 24-7 podcast. Thanks for tuning in. show is fire country i'm not a hero i'm in orange for a reason they're taking 12 months off your sentence you're free lady with a special epic season finale now that i'm out i need something to get me up in the morning you are a firefighter used to be that will be unforgettable in the name of your life's happiness go get your girl she's getting married tomorrow says when do you let anything get in the way of what you want the fire country season finale friday 9 8 central on cbs and streaming on paramount plus